Put your headphones on and take a little seat. <laughs> Go ahead, sit on down. Do you remember Juicy Fruit? Yeah. You do? Juicy Fruit? Juicy Fruit, the gum. Yeah, of course. It's still around, it's just they don't advertise it the same as they used to, you know? Right, did they used to like, Juicy Fruit? Well, that's the song, it was this. Juicy Fruit, it gets right to ya. It's got the taste of 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 taste It's gonna move ya. <laughs> I do remember it. Nice. Uh, I want to play some music here to get us started. Is that okay? You Great. might. Got it. Here's the song right now. You're listening to Live to Tape. This is Live to Tape on the Fair Audio Network. This is Johnny Pemberton. You are listening to Live to Tape. My guest today is Nikki Glazer. She'll be introduced in a better fashion coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to start you off with a little bit of music. Uh, if you like music, it's something you can listen to. This is something from a band, old band from 1975 called Wood, Brass, and Steel, Always There. This is unavailable except on a compilation, so check it out. Here it is. You can say something if you want, Nick, you don't have to. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, right? Yeah. I, uh, I have a little bit of a cold right now. You do? Yeah. In, in life. Yeah, I'm just cold. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant I'm cold. Oh, you're cold. Yeah. Nikki Glazer, welcome. This song takes a while to get going. Okay. But when it gets going, it really gets going. Who just said Nikki Glazer, welcome? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Nikki Glazer, welcome. What? It's ripping, isn't it? Step on in, it's live to tape on Feral Audio with Johnny Pemberton. Today's my guest is Nikki Glazer, comedian, actress, writer, stand-up comedian, dancer, fitness professional, nutrition expert, also expert in all things live and going on. You're in town, it's the night time, it's the good time, it's the bright time. Here you are, we're gonna get down right in. Okay, that's That's the song. There we go. That's it. Any climatic. You're so impressive. I'm not impressive. That's just the song. No, I mean, your announcing skills. Well, I mean, I've been doing it for a while. Yeah. So it's just something, it's like... I got really stressed out that you that I was an expert on all things going on around town. I, that was, I just said that. I know you did, but I'm like, do I know any... Could I do any good? In, can I service anyone in that way of, like, what's going on this weekend? And you there's could, just nothing. You couldn't recommend, like, a restaurant or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I could do that. So there you I go. I guess it's not, like, going on, though, but that's just... just Nikki old. Glazer, Welcome. <laughs> Nikki Glazer, welcome. Nikki, 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 Nikki Glazer, welcome. There you go. I had to introduce what you. What is that? It's just a little machine that plays cards. It's like for teaching kids foreign languages. That's so cool. You can have one. You can get one. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I want one, but it is cool. You don't want one? Okay. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Bad question. Okay, that's not yet. Here we go. Live to tape podcast at gmail.com. Live to tape podcast at gmail.com. That's the email. Hey, everyone, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash live to tape. Okay, now we can start doing everything normally. Great. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? <laughs> good. Good. You're pretty good, right? You're good? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Good. Uh, stand up, huh? It's crazy, right? 
God, you just like get up there. <laughs> you and the mic. Yeah, and that's the thing about stand up. It's like you're just up there. Is that probably your favorite thing about stand up comedy? Is you're just up there and it's like. Just the state, like being elevated. Yeah. Is my physically favorite. Physically elevated? Just like physically above everyone. But you're not a short person. No, no. And I just, but I, I enjoy being tall in my everyday life so much that I just, I, when I can get taller, I just want to get taller. So do you wear uh, sho- footwear, shoe wear to compromise, to complement that idea? I don't actually. No. I, because I want to be comfortable. Okay. Yeah. So you're not a person who does uncomfortable shoes? No. I mean, I will do them because they look fantastic, but I'll right. take them off as soon as I need to, like, be done taking a picture or whatever it is. Do you take the, the little shoes in your, in your bag? Yeah, I do. I do. I bring little flats rolled yes, up. Yes, I love yep. cute flats. Cute flats. And cute flats, flats look good, too. I find that guys that are into feet love flats. Really? Yeah, wow. I know. I see a couple guys around town who know that because I've done, like— um I did a segment on my show on Comedy Central, like about foot fetishes. Right, and so those I can t- those guys have like talked to me about how they have a foot fetish, and then every time I see those people, they're like they're into it when I wear flats, which is a weird thing. Interesting. Yeah, they like, they comment on your feet like they're t- tits. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a funny thing how because uh, I, I had Cheryl Hines on the podcast a while ago. No, I haven't had her, actually haven't had her on. I was talking to her about some other thing. Okay, and it was like it's that thing if you're an actress. Anytime you Google your name, the first thing that comes feet. up is feet. Yeah. It's like feet, boyfriend, mm-hmm. husband. It's like that's, but it's always yep. feet first. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to think that it's maybe not even a fetish at this point, is it? It's like it now, yeah, it's mainstream now. Like there's yeah. a thing called wiki feet, and every person, really? every actress like has one, and you, they have pictures of your feet, and people like rate you. Wow. Have you yeah. checked yours out? I think, yeah, I checked mine out back when we did the foot fetish segment because we were all fascinated by it. But it was, like, I had a pretty good score, and I shouldn't. Like, I have some, like, pretty, um, well, like, you could, I'm wearing flip-flops. I have banged-up feet. Like, I have bunions, which are these bones okay. that protrude out because my feet, like, are trying to make the shape of a shoe. It's, like, oh. I have, like, bound feet. It's disgusting. Do you know about this bunion thing you can do to stop bunions? I just learned about it because my girlfriend is doing this thing what? where she, she puts these weird silicone bands on her toes. And then stretches. They stretch the toes out. It's, yeah, it's like correct a yoga toes. thing. Yes, I mm-hmm. have those. I have every bunion contraption really? known to man, but they hurt so bad because they're literally like pulling your bones apart. Yeah. Your like foot wants to go in and they pull it apart. So you can only wear it for a little bit before I start getting like cramps and stuff. Like minutes or hours? I've worn them to bed sometimes and just kick them off in the middle of the night <laughs> furiously. But like, um, they do, it does feel good to like, I, sometimes I just like sit and hold my toe and just like, like this and, and hold it up so that it's like, Pulling it back. Right. Because um, it doesn't hurt like when you do this. If I held it forever, it would. But just they just hurt in shoes so much. It's it's crazy how women torture their feet with heels. It's yeah. nuts. I don't ha- I mean, I... I men, ha- men get room in their shoes. I mean, some of your shoes are a little pointed and narrow. Yeah. But, like, for the most part, it's just having a healthy uh, space for your feet to, like, I, breathe. And the women don't get that in shoes ever. If you have, as a, speaking as a man, if my shoes are too tight... I can't do anything. Then you do, yeah, it sucks. You and that's all anything. women wear are tight shoes, tight jeans, tight everything. So you just always feel fat. Because uh, heels are inherently tight, aren't they? Because your foot's angling down into this thing, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're tight. They, you have to, like, they're snug. They'll, like, yeah, they don't feel good. They're, like, they fit like right. socks, you know? And jeans are, like, even, like... Even you know, loose baggy jeans or tight jeans. He, like, everyone wears jeans that are fitted. You know, women wear fitted jeans. Mm-hmm. And, like, you—and if they're not stretchy fabric jeans, 
if you like gain one pound, you f- you feel it because they have to be like fitted, you know. So it's like a constant just feeling too big or small or whatever for women. Dresses, dresses are great. There you go. It's the that's they're the so great. They're feminine. They're we can. It's like one of our trademarks as women. You know, it's the woman on the bathroom door. Yes, is wearing I was it. about to say the same thing. The dress. Yes, it's it's yeah. iconic. Yeah, and Republicans are trying to take that away. Did you hear about this? About uh, no more dresses. Yes, there's. <laughs> Oh my god! I wouldn't be surprised though. Yeah, that would—that's a part of the Handmaid's Tale. Just put us in. Oh, more. that's right, isn't it? Probably. I I didn't finish it. I didn't either. I, I didn't get past the second episode. It's too. No, depressing. I'm talking about the book. <laughs> oh, ha. I call chapters episodes. Did you not oh, know oh, that? No. I meant the book too. Okay, but I yeah, call the them, book. Yeah, I couldn't get past the second cha- cha- chapter. Second, the second chap episode. Chap episode. The, the epaptor, the after, <laughs> the effects. Yeah. So. It's tough being a lady. It is, but you talk about that a lot, right? Yeah, all I do is complain about being a woman. <laughs> That's what would you say your thing is? What's your thing? What's your deal? Oh God, probably sex. Is it's my anal, thing. right? Anal. <laughs> it is. It is. I just I got you- voted, not voted, but Perez Hilton on the gossip right? website. Like it was like a list of celebrities who love who do anal, I saw not even love, yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And I was the face that they chose to put for that the top of the list. That's a great picture too, because it's like you're it very happy. Like, yeah, I'm it's having it. anal. Mm-hmm. It's like well, it's a happy life. Yeah, it was. Um, um, that was not an ideal thing to get a Google alert about, but, you know, what are you going to do? So you must have a cool relationship with your parents then. I do because I was in the I was with them when I got that, when someone sent that to me that they saw it on Perez Hilton, and I was like, oh, no. And I was at dinner with my parents in St. Louis visiting home. and This was recently. Yeah, it was like last okay. week. And I was like, do I tell them? Like, it was like a because mo- I looked at my phone and I go, oh. <gasps> Because, you know, I read Perez Hilton. That's a big deal to be on Perez Hilton and have your face just say celebs who do anal. Anal. Mm -hmm. I was flattered that I was a celeb, but... (laughs) um, And so I was... And my parents were like, what? And I was like, I don't know if I even want to show you this, but... uh," And then they were just like, oh, my God. And um, my... And then I was like, I got to tweet about it because I got to take some power back from this. You know, I have to own it or something. Like, I just felt like... And so I tweeted, my mom was like, don't do that. People are going to think. And I'm just like. Think what? The- think that I enjoy something that everyone would enjoy if they gave it a try. Also something that people already know you enjoy because you've, you're not yes. sh- you weren't shy about it before. That's how Yeah, you but know I don't want to be the poster child of it per se. The anal poster child? And it seems like it's like it, it, they were trying to shame me. Like, they were? You know, like celebs who do anal. Like why is that a headline if maybe, I mean like. I don't I felt it was a little shamey, and it's like, why not put every gay man on that list, too, that is in— Anderson Cooper should probably be on that. You think he does anal? Probably. He's a gay man. Right, but you never know, right? You never know. He might just he's, be a giver. He's pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> that literally is the number one reason why he might not be doing yeah. it, is that he's too busy. It just takes too much time to warm up to it for him, and he just has to yeah, it's stay a process. so focused. Yes. Oh, my or maybe God. it's the opposite. Maybe to, to focus for him, he has to have something in his ass. Mm. I think that would really so be distracting. It, I mean, you think that, and I think, I think that, that. but— you never know. Uh, what, what's the I saying? I get so um, much work done when there's something in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> One man's poison is another person's trash. That's what they say, right? <laughs> One man's trash is another answer to uh, a debate question ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. Uh, that's Trump's thing. What? He always says something in his ass. 
Oh, that's what he does? Yeah, I've read that he always has a AAA battery in his ass. And all oh, times. my God. That, that's the, those are the smaller of <laughs> those. Those are the really skinny ones. Yeah, the AAA. That would actually feel pretty perfect. That's pretty slick. Yeah, that could that feels snug, but not too much. And you might get a charge from it. Like, you might mm. literally get a charge. Yeah, you know when you like, put your, <sighs> your tongue on a battery? Uh, I don't know that because I don't do it really. Yeah, no. Well, I think I did it as a kid. Or There's some recollection I have of the way... Like it makes it stink. It like burns a little bit. Celebs so. who tongue batteries. What? Celebs who tongue batteries. Yeah. Oh no, that's gonna be me tomorrow. So what did your mom say? So she was. She was a little bit like, you don't don't put that out there. You know, like don't retweet it. And I'm like, so what? And then I kind of got into like a thing where I was like, I'm not gonna be ashamed that I enjoy that I've you know I don't want it to be my thing. Right. But. If it is, then so what? Like, then more, maybe more people will try it and more people will have pleasure in their life. And my dad was like, yeah, that's a good reason. I was like, ew, dad, just no, don't chime in. This was at dinner? This was on the way home from dinner. It was like a long discussion from dinner to the drive wow. home. So did you ever ask your mom if she's done anal? I did. I asked her on my show, and I think she said once by accident. And my dad said that he had done it once and that they had a discussion about it. So they both need to get their stories so straight. So you, you interviewed them. I haven't seen this episode of it. But I interviewed is, them on a like a lie detector test, and you I them asked them together. No, 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 separately. Oh, you so did. I asked like them a, both oh. if they did anal, and then my mom said yes once by accident, but it was by accident. My dad said yeah once, and we had to talk about it before doing it. And I was like, so it's you, not someone's by lying. I go, dad, dad definitely pretended it was by accident. It's um, like that scene in L.A. Confidential where they split up the suspects. I haven't seen it, but it's, yes. co- it's a cop trick. Yeah, yeah, where you yeah. Get the two people, you separate them, and you go back and forth. And you say this trying person to, said yeah. that. Yeah. So, is it, so what happened to the? Uh, where's the gun? Oh, there isn't a gun. Your friend says there's a gun. Oh, it is. Okay, it's here, and he didn't ever say anything. Oh God, yeah. It's that kind of thing where it's like you get. Yeah. It's a campaign of misinformation. Bad so cop, bad cop. Bad cop. <laughs> yeah, bad cop, dad cop. <laughs> That's a new movie. Bad Cop, Dad Cop. Anything with bad in the title can be a movie now, right? Oh, you're right. Bad Daddy. Bad Secretary. Bad Mother. Bad Mother. I don't think they'd do a bad mother. I think here's a good one. Bad Nun. Bad Nun. Bad Nun. There you go. It's done. It's six letters. That is amazing. Bad Nun. Bad Nun. nun. What would the tagline be, though? Bad Nun. Uh, Forgive me, Father. Never mind. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> forgive I'm remorseful. Me, father, for, I'm for ab- I'm, how about this? For, forgive me, Father, for I'm about to sin. That's good. That's good. <laughs> forgive me, Father. Forgive me, Father. I'm I think about it'd be to forgive sin. me, Father. Forgive me, Father, I'm about to sin. Yeah. Forgive me, Father, I'm about to sin. Forgive me, Father, I'm about to sin. Hi, I had an experience as a young person and now I'm locked in this voice. Hi, I'm a contestant on The Bachelor. Oh my God, that's so funny. Isn't that true? This is a lot of Yeah, I mean, I could, I could actually do a voice, just put it back to normal. Okay, here we go. This is how um, Whitney on The Bachelor sounded, <laughs> like exactly. Yeah, she just that. talked like this and she was like, I just want to be a mom. And I just want to, you know, I just really love Chris and I just want to be with him. And I'm going to be, be a mom. I just know that I can be a mom. 
<laughs> they like, talk like babies. Yeah. And then what's her name? There's another one that talks like a baby. There's a lot and of And they them. just, you know, something traumatic happened to them at, at that age, and they just haven't really gotten out of it. That's what that is, right? It's what it's supposed yeah. to mean. And it doesn't have to be molestation, but no. it can be any, you know, your parents split up or your mom dies. There's just something that it's like you just stay trapped at this this age. Is there any evidence or incidents where, uh, you've known of, about that of, of someone having that voice and then moving beyond it because of therapy or something? I don't like know. ayahuasca <laughs> takes my ayahuasca. That would be, I bet that's a thing. Yeah. That would be a cool show. Oh my God. You get God. Baby, talk, baby talk women and you give them an ayahuasca ceremony and then they come out and like, then they come out like, I had a wonderful experience. Oh my God. That's, ayahuasca is so interesting Have to you me. Done and it? I, I want to do it so badly. Why do you want to do it? I mean, I I, I want to do it not like if you offered it to me now, I'd do it. Like oh. I want to like really go about it in the right way. But I think right. in the future, it's in my future because um I've just like I'm into like self help stuff and yeah. I've read a lot about it the how well it handles things with PTSD and I don't have any of that. But I do. I've had history of depression and I've had like trauma in my life that I would like to look at from a different lens. Right, step back and look at it. Yeah, like I feel like I've you know handled it and I'm continuing continuing to handle my shit. But I think that like. There's something to be said for a, someone can have a trip and it can have more of an effect than a decade of therapy. Yeah. Like, uh, that's insane. Yeah. But that's uh, common. Because it's so, it's so aggressive that you can't deny it. You can't, like, any defense mechanism you have won't work because your brain is being, it's an onslaught. It's like, uh, you know have how. Have you done it? No, I haven't. I haven't done it at all. I, I you know, I'm interested in it. Um, have been for a while, but it's something where. I don't know. I've done other things like I, do, I meditate and stuff, so that's something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I feel like that helps, but there's also something where. Someone says it's like you, you go and you have parts of your brain where like doors that are closed that you're never going to open. And you, when you trip with ayahuasca or whatever, mm-hmm. you like open those doors, you look inside, you deal with it, and then you close it, and then you can like leave it closed. Okay. Forever. Yeah. Whereas so- like our doors are just like blowing open in the wind. Right, or they're just so, they're crusted shut, and there's this yes. weird sound coming from behind the door. It's like a, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't hear you, because there's a sound. Yes. There's a weird, like, thrum of... Thrum, great word. Yeah, that's such a good word, thrum. It's, it's thrums, exactly what... It sounds kind of sexual, but it's not. Yes. Yeah. Because <sighs> thrum sounds like throb, that's why. And thrust. Throb? Throb? <laughs> thrust? Thrub? Throb thrust, are sexual, throb. but thrum... Could be sexual, but it's not really. And then it's musical. It has, like, drum in it. Thrum, yeah. It does um, have drum in it. Yeah, I love uh, that word. And I love the word um, brandish. Brandish is Brandish good. a yeah. weapon. Brandish. You could, you could thrust, you could brandish, uh, well, you can brandish a lot of things. Oh, ton of things. Yeah. Um, it could get sexual. But yeah, ayahuasca, I've, I've, um, I did mushrooms once, but it wasn't, like, anything special. Right. Um, well, did you not do a very a large amount? You didn't do. I guess much. not. No, it wasn't like. But the windows were kind of like melty, like Salvador Dali type thing. That's not enough. Yeah, That's and then I like, yeah, it was not a good trip. And then I just was feeling too many things, so I went back home and I like chugged a bottle of wine because I was like, I just want to feel anything oh, but those feelings. You want to get like get it knocked down. Yeah, because I I think I did it at a time when I was like didn't understand my feelings. Yeah. So like they bubble up and you're just like, no. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, I guess that's the difference between doing something like that, and doing ayahuasca, because ayahuasca you can't, you can't counteract. You can't fight it. it. It's like the horde. You're being, but the zombies are 
you can't fight them off because you're just being over you're being overwhelmed by it. That's that sounds it. Sounds so scary. I think it is. I think it's the whole point. It is scary, right? I think people go into it not knowing that that's scary. They're really? Excited. Who goes? They go into it not knowing that? I guess you're in like a fucking shaman's tent in yeah. the fucking rainforest. You should be a little scared. Right. Isn't that where you go to do it? You can't. I think you can also go to San Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to San Bernardino and like. Uh, in a tent. Go to a tent and like just hang out with some dude named Steve. God, hey, I'm his Steve. name's Steve. Yeah. Steve from Bernardino. Steve, San Bernardino. Steve Bernardino. Steve Bernardino. Steve Bernardino. Steve Bernardino. He's going to burn Bernardino your brain. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, but I, I smoke a lot of pot, though. You do? Do you drink alcohol? No. Not at all? I didn't, and I didn't smoke pot or drink or do anything um, for a while, but I haven't drank for almost six years. Is there but a reason? I just was, like, getting really terrible hangovers yeah. and... I blacked out like a lot, and it was oh, just like did. a thing I wanted to do every night. So I was just like, "This yeah. is getting in the way," and so I quit. I just saw it turning into a huge problem eventually. Um, so you cut it off at the head. Yeah, I mean, you, I let it get build the head build a little bit. I had, had some it, fun. You had it off at the pass. At the pass, yeah. I think on the pass. That's the right point where and I you don't it regret off. that at all. No, I love yeah, not really? drinking. It's like so nice. Man, see, I'm thinking I should probably do that myself, but sometimes it's also. I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't have a blackout issue. If you don't have a blackout issue, <laughs> I would keep going. I don't know how people can do it. I've almost never blacked out. <laughs> it's wanting to close those doors. Yeah, because you want to. Oh, because you, you drink turn so off much. Everything. You, you just, just want to turn. Like I would go. Like let's get blackout tonight. Like really? I just love the idea of just like not remembering anything and not having to like worry about my problems. So you would get blackout drunk. And then wake up in the morning and regret everything and feel terrible and feel sick, but also, like, mentally exhausted and confused mm-hmm. and, yeah, it's the worst. It's like that thing where you're, you're, uh, you're, your brain can handle so much. So what you do is you just give it the problem of feeling bad. And yeah. if you feel bad, you're focused on how bad you feel physically so you're not thinking about the other things that are going on. Yes. Because, like, it's like changing the uh, – it's, re- it's moving back the – the front line of stakes. It's, it's, yeah, it's just like, look over here, deal with this. So you yeah. don't have to deal with this. At least, I mean, we know this is a bad thing to deal with, but at least you can put all your focus in it. Exactly. I think some people have success with that, though. There's like successful alcoholics who, mm-hmm. because of that, they can manage their addiction so well that it basically allows them to focus more because all this extra brain power is going toward the addiction. And so you can kind of... You know what I'm saying? Mm. That seems to be like what I look at from the outside of someone who has a successful addiction. Mm-hmm. I guess I think they can just really um, white knuckle it, yeah. For you know, and get a lot of work done in that time. And then when they when they finally like let go, it's so dangerous though. Those like binging times oh. after they've white knuckled it, that's when people die. Yeah, because you go back in, you dip back in. You dip back in, and then you go back right to the way we were when you were doing it the last time, and your body can't handle it because it's just been, like, you know, detoxing. Well, that's if you don't—that's if you take a break. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, people—yeah, I I guess some people just don't take breaks and are always boozing hard and stuff, but I feel like most people— you can't get a lot of work done if you're a constant user and abuser. If you're always high, you're always drunk. I feel like you're, you're not going to be successful. There's no successful those. And if they are, it's like a fucking anomaly. Yeah, I think it's definitely an anomaly. I'm talking about the other. I'm talking about that anomaly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people, it's just luck. Ooh. And they're just so talented, it just supersedes their addiction, which they would be more talented and prolific if they didn't use, probably. See, that's what I kind of wonder about. I think maybe it's not that case. I think that maybe mm. it helps. it's like a thing where... It keeps that person in sort of a, 
It's like bumpers for bowling. I wish we could talk about who you're thinking of when we're doing this. Oh, I guess I'm, I don't know. It's probably a couple people I'm thinking. It's probably yeah, the yeah. same people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking about. I think those people, the people I'm thinking of that are big drinkers, like in the comedy world that are really right. successful, I feel like they could do more if they weren't. Who's the biggest drinker you know? Hmm. That would probably be someone like really sad. Probably like my aunt. <laughs> but in <laughs> like, the comedy world, who's the biggest drinker in comedy? I think I always think Doug Stanhope yeah, probably Stanhope. is. I think Stanhope. I saw him tweet something today about blood on his shoe. Yeah, I'm like, where does did it come from? Is a is he's an anomaly. He but he's so he's a genius. Yeah, he's great. So it he is still funny and successful despite despite drinking uh, all the time. <laughs> but imagine if he didn't. I mean, maybe he couldn't handle that much success or, like, those, that kind of, maybe because he's a genius, he has to be a little bit, like, he has to, I don't know, I can't diagnose him and I wouldn't want to, and so I'm sorry if he ever hears this, but, like, I I always point to him as, like, oh, my God, he's the one guy who's. Can drink. That makes it look look like it works. Yeah. That makes it look like it, it helps him in some way. There's a lot of actors who drink a lot, too. Yes. And I, but I think on set they probably aren't drunk. That's not true. That's what I'm talking about. Though. Oh yeah, but you, we, about... we've all seen like that Marlon Brando like commercial where he's like, "Is that was that Brando? No, it was um. There's another guy. Uh, I think it was Brando actually. Well, like Bl- towards the end. I believe that for sure. I also think that I know that. Uh, I mean, I when I worked with Andy Garcia once, he was. He wasn't drunk, but he was drinking. He did send of a, well, not send of a woman, but the alcoholic yeah, woman. He did. Orson, Orson Welles. Welles. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Orson, Orson Welles was Welles. the person Orson that was like, and it, I think it was a commercial for Brandy or something like that. Also, he did a commercial. He did a lot of voiceover in his later years. Yeah, he was wasted in this one that's on YouTube, and it's a delight to watch. But, um, <laughs> wait, who were you just talking about? I was thinking about, uh, Andy Garcia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in, um, where Meg Ryan plays an alcoholic. Okay. I think Andy Garcia likes to drink rum a lot. He's Cuban, so that's where yeah. it goes with the. With the thing, TJ Miller drinks a lot. He's very he successful. He drinks a significant amount. Uh, also, I've heard that Catherine Keener is a likes to drink while working. Okay, at least recently, this is a thing. That makes me kind of sad. Really? Why? <laughs> I love her. I think I just think I'm. I don't know. I love her too. Um, I just think anyone that needs to drink when they work is it's sad. But the thing is, I've been smoking pot a lot lately, like to the point where I'm like, oh, it's a little unprofessional. Right. Like I'll just like get high before a show or something. And it's like I don't think that this is the best thing to do for right. the audience who just paid money to see me. But I'm also like, maybe it'll make it better. You know, you convince yourself that it will. Yeah. But I'm just at a state right now where I'm like, I- I'm going through a breakup. I'm going through like many life changes. I feel like, and I just pot has been like I've been kind of leaning on it. What other life using and abusing it? What other life changes? Um, mm, I got off Zoloft. Okay. I've been on like antidepressants for the last seventeen years. That's a fucking big deal, right there. That's yeah. like, that's no small thing. No, it's not. And it was like I've been off them in the past, where I've just like run out of them or whatever, right. and done it the unhealthy way, and then you just get thrown back into it. Right. But this time, I really like uh, weaned myself off it. Uh, of Zoloft and Wellbutrin, which was, like, my cocktail of choice for, like, five years. And it was, like, really had me balanced. Like, I felt, like, good about it. What is the difference between those two? I don't know. I just know that uh, Zoloft wasn't cutting for me, and I was on, like, the highest dosage. And really? so they threw in some Wellbutrin, and then I was like, oh, I'm okay. Is Zoloft an SSRI inhibitor or SSRI? I think it's, I think it's an inhibitor. So I don't think a- it's an up. 
I don't think it's the... Because um, SSR stands for something, something, serotonin, something, reuptake take inhibitor. inhibitor. Right. Yeah, and I think... Is Zoloft an SSRI? I think it's SSR, and then what are the other ones? Is like I, I think, think Noah's the, on the case right now with this. Thank you, Noah. Noah is on the case. Um, But anyway, I was on that and Wellbutrin. And Wellbutrin, I think, is for like... People use it to quit smoking stuff, so I don't know. It has, like, some kind of anxiety. That's an MAOI? MAO. I wonder if MAOI. Is it an MAOI? He's no, on He's on the okay, case. Okay, he just kind of looked up what he's he said. He's got the markers. Um, yeah, so. SSRI. It's an SSRI. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Um, Zoloft. Yeah, so I got off those. I just started running out, and I didn't want to go back to my stupid right. psychiatrist because she's nuts and, like, only open one day a week, and I would always run out of medicine and be, like, calling CVS, like, can you give me one pill so I don't want to kill myself tomorrow? Wait, is she nuts in the sense that she's nuts because she's only open one day a week, or is she nuts for something else? Her, well, she looks like she's had more plastic surgery done than any person I've ever seen Are in my life. Are you serious? She's a psychiatrist, yeah. That is so Her cool. Her face is the size of a Macy's Day float. Does she it's say so anything big. about that? Has she ever addressed no, it? No, no. No, never. And it's shocking. That would weird me out significantly because it's like something, anytime there's like a, that's like a classic elephant in the room. It is a classic elephant. She looked like an elephant. <laughs> she really did. Her face was so big. And, um, was that but from it's swell? just like, I was just in the point of like, I was busy. M- my assistant found this doctor. I made an appointment. I just went. It was right down the street. I'm like, I'm not going to go find another doctor because this one woman's face is so big. Just, she looked like a pumpkin. So I, she, <laughs> she wrote me a prescription. I got, and I'd been already taking this medicine, medicine for ages, but I had to switch doctors. So I was just like, just but give this me This is it. a psychiatrist. So you, yeah. I, I, she, I barely talked to her about my issues. She would just prescribe stuff. And then you have a therapist. This is, yeah, this is a, so the psychiatrist, you just go in and she gives you the stuff. Yeah, she just gives you the stuff. You kind of talk to her, but she's the son of the psychiatrist. Happen. Is it? Probably not. This doesn't make me feel. Hi, well, Butrin. Well, Butrin is an MAOI, an SSRI. We're coming back here. We've got all kinds of different drugs for you. Cocktail. A cocktail for your. Bring it down. So you just go to her. How long does it take? Like 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Um, well, the waiting room is usually like a fucking hour long wait, and then she God. is like a 10 to 15 minute um, thing where you just sit on her couch and like she'll write you a prescription. How often? Once a month? No, I would have to well, go every like every two or three months, and it just oh, got to the point bad. where it's like just write the prescription. You know what I need. I've been on this stuff for a yeah. million years, and so then I just I didn't want to go back to her anymore, so I just quit. Okay. I decided to weed myself off, and I so I just started like cutting up pills and just like taking down the dosage. Right. Week by week. And how has that made you feel? Um, <laughs> I have, to be g- pretty graphic, like, I can't stop um, masturbating. Okay. Because well, you, so you the can't first... stop because you're not right now, obviously. No, I am. No. Um, okay. Maybe you have a triple no, no, A. No, no, no. I don't I have a triple A. <laughs> She's triple A loaded. No, I um, I never masturbated in my life, ever. That's ever. not true. Yes, it is. What? It's true. What do you mean you never masturbated in your life? Why would I lie about that if I'm so, like, brazen about everything no, else? No, I, I guess I'm not saying you're lying. I just yeah. I find that— it's, Well, I've, I've masturbated, but it's always that. been on the phone with someone or, like, via Skype. Like, I need, like, an audience or something. So, obviously, you did it for the first time at some point in your life. Yeah, I mean, I always tried, but it would right. just never—like, it wasn't ever an event that I would be like, that's—I did it, you know? Like, I was just—it never occurred to me because I was on antidepressants since I was 17, so—and I was a late bloomer, oh. so I didn't start feeling sexual urges till that time anyway, and oh, then they wow. were deadened by this fucking shit. Yeah, because that stuff really does that, doesn't it? I guess so, and I never knew that I was any other way, and so there were spurts in my life where I, like, was off it maybe and maybe right. a little bit more horny or something, but it never really occurred to me to, like, masturbate. It just 
wasn't a thing. And then, wow. um, and then I went through a breakup recently, so I haven't had regular sex. And how long was how long was that relationship you were coming out of? Five years. Oh, so that's, a, half re- years? that's yeah. a real breakup. Real breakup. Yeah, that's so, a serious one. Yeah, and Jeez. so I um, and so I just. I have all these sex toys from doing my show, and so I like, yeah. and I have vibrators and stuff that I use when I'm having sex. And so I just was like, I think I need to take care of this. And I, for the first time ever, did it, and I felt like a seventh grade boy. I was like How obsessed recently? with it for a week, two weeks ago. Are you kidding me? No. So right now we're at the forefront. This podcast right now with Nikki Glazer, yes, guest comedian. Guest. Comedian, masturbator. Uh, masturbator. Well, now you can say masturbator. Yes. So this is like, that's so strange. It's like one of those things where I can't even relate to something where it's like someone who, yeah, I just had pizza for the first time. I just learned how to like hear. I just got one of those hearing aids. Yeah. And like, you know, on the YouTube videos where they start crying. The cochlear implant. I just got a cochlear. I just got a clit clear implant. You got a clit, you got a clit clearing implant. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. And I was like, for a while, I felt like kind of guilty about it at first because I was like, all I want to do is masturbate. Like, it's the greatest thing ever. And now I've kind of calmed down. I'm like, okay, I've got it under control. But it's like, it's such a beneficial thing to be able to do. And I always remember being like, God, I wish I did because it seems right. like something girls do when they're like stressed out and they'll go do it and they'll feel but like... You just feel better if you do it. It's, it's a like, it's a mind like it, it's meditative. It's you know creatively. I, I don't know. It just it's cathartic. I just discovered this whole community on YouTube. I can't no, I can't figure out how, but by accident, I saw some video of someone posted called uh, it was like no fap results. Oh, no fapping. Yeah, I yeah, know that. Fapping is short for masturbating. Yeah, and they think that it's going to make you more mentally sharp. Everything. To not fap. This person was saying how it helped her skin. It did... It, to not masturbate. Oh my god, everything. She's not, not... Here's the deal. Not just not masturbating, but not orgasming. No, that's not good. That's what I think too, kind it's of. It's made me so much happier. I think it's... Well, I think it's not bad to abstain from looking at porn. I think that's, I think that's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, I think that is a good thing. That can really muck things up. Unless you're looking at like a very specific type of porn that is like very realistic, I, love porn I think. I right now so but, much though. I think it's like, I can see getting addicted to it and I know yeah. that guy, I've slept with enough guys that I've, over the past 15 years that I've seen have a porn what addiction. porn can do yeah. and like what men now expect from porn. But I think it's just like really? the way it is now. Yeah. I just think we all have to kind of adapt, but like, um, cause yeah. it's out there. It's out of the box, it's out of the, uh, there are so, I cannot believe so people much. are just, that's their first introduction to sex is like porn. Yeah. It's nuts. I don't know if it was mine exactly. Um, I guess I saw a porn before I had sex. So, right. So that, does that mean so it, it was? was, I guess it was, I mean, we see movies too, where it's a little bit more realistic. Yeah. It's not as like, but, uh, I just feel, I just know as a woman that pressure would feel so immense to perform and be good. And I and for the guy, too. I mean, the, it's all about the performance for the guy. Yeah. So it's like it just seems like both sides have these expectations going in if they've watched enough porn. And even I have had sex in real life and still watch porn, and sometimes it gets clouded where I'm like, that's if it's not like that, then I don't want to have it or whatever. There's some documentary that's coming out or maybe it came out. Uh, it's coming. Um, <laughs> it's, about, it's about porn and talking about how uh, porn is really important now because it is essentially, like you're saying, it is the sex education of the world. Yeah. And so... They have a responsibility. Instead of denying right. it, why not just embrace it? Yeah, so you have to look at it a different way. So there has to be more responsibility in it. 
in yeah, terms of what I've it is? Yeah, I've stumbled onto some things that I'm like, I'm turned on by it, but I'm like so disturbed that it You're turned exists. On by it. Like, you know, like, not that I'm turned on by it because I get those kind of things. Like, there's this one that I was watching where it was like a girl at work and she like gets gang banged at work okay. by all these like hot guys. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That's kind of appealing. Like, that's a fun fantasy. Right. But then I watched it and. The girl's kind of fighting them off at first. Like, she doesn't oh, want it. that's rapey. It's, it literally was like an, a, a rape, kind of. But she's, like, not fighting hard. So you're like, does she? Like, it's, it's like... And it's so weird to see those kind of videos and be like, first of all, jerking off to them. And also, like, I just don't want anyone to stumble on that not knowing what sex is and being like that's okay like there yeah. should be things that are we're sh- we should be allowed to like fantasize and have these weird like a lot of girls have rape fantasies and there should right. be things for them to watch that fulfill that without actually getting raped or whatever but like is it responsible uh, is it porn's responsibility to like keep those things away from the mainstream stuff where do you think that comes from you think that's the like, rape fantasy yeah you think that's sort of a, a natural thing or it's it- control it's like I feel like so, I know for me, I love to just it, sex. I'm the, like I'm so in control of everything in my own life. I feel like, or at least I'm attempting to be. So it's allowing someone else to to like not give you a choice. Yeah. You just have to do it, or right. you have like and um and the best is like when you want to, but like you want like just any kind of BDSM stuff mm-hmm. is good. Which and stands just, like, for Body Dominant Mister Sex. Yes. No, no what is it? What is Sex it, mister. What does it stand for? It stands for uh, bondage, but, uh, uh, dominance. Sadomasochist. Oh, not Sierra Madre. No. Sierra. Sierra. <laughs> uh, Santa Monica. Bod, body, um, body dominant. Body positive Santa, Santa Monica. Yeah, body dominated. Santa. Body dominated. Domi- body domesticated. Um, yeah, and so that, all that stuff is good. And then there's like. God, I just, porn is so interesting to me now. And I have, like, a new, I have a porn star that I, like, a guy who I never thought I'd be into guy porn stars, but there's one guy that's, like, really good. Say his name. Uh, uh, Ramon Nomar. And I oh think his God. last name is Nomar because girls are like, no more, oh, no more. Was, wait, isn't that maybe, uh, what do you call it, a palindrome? Ramon no mar. It is. It's a Yes. Oh Ramon my Omar. God. That's so cool. He's so cool. <laughs> Ramon. Oh, that's Nomar. really good. Hi, I'm Ramon Nomar. Uh, <laughs> my name backwards is also the same as it is both ways. It's what's known as a palindrome. That is not how he sounds. Hi, I'm Ramon. Hi, I'm Ramon Nomar. For you, I say Nomar, but you say Nomar, you get Mar. You get Mar. You get. You want Roman? You want no. ramen? No more. <laughs> Hi, hey, what's up, y'all? It's ramen nomer. <laughs> hey, can I get some no more ramen, oh, please? Ramen nomer, baby. Yeah. What is he like? Does he have a ponytail? No, he's like um, Spanish, and he doesn't really speak that much English, which is good because, like, when he chooses to speak, it's just like the way he feels. What does he say, like? I he'll love be you. like no 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 he has, there's no love but he seems <laughs> to be worried about whether or not the girl orgasms which is cool. Okay. Like he really seems concerned. He says the right things. He just says like hot things and he's like in control but he's not rapey and he's just like he just does every for me he's the perfect like I I hope to have sex with him someday. Would you say that uh, gentlemen who are listening should should check out Ramon Namor yes. as a sort of a a rubric for how to behave in the No, bedroom. I think women should check out Ramon no more <laughs> because I don't think you can recreate this. He's just like, he's hot and he he looks like, who does he look like? He looks like um, the guy from Fifty Shades, uh, oh. Jamie Dornan. 
but he's I Spanish. I, I didn't either. I haven't yeah. even seen Fifty Shades, but he does look like that guy because someone I showed to the, they said he looked like him. I'm like, oh yeah, and um, yeah, Ramon Nomar. Check him out, men and women. It's it's he's really hot. And then there's a girl he does stuff with named, um, God, what's her name? Something Danger. It's probably Danger Rend. Rennad. I have a whole. <laughs> oh my god, that's Regnad. Danger Regnad. Yeah, I have a whole um, email chain to myself of like porn that I like that I just keep sending wow. myself an email. I'll be like, no, this one, no, this one, and I have like a million no, this ones now. This is all brand new too. Yeah, it's so fun. So, I am like a seventh grade boy. I really am sixth grade, seventh grade. What interests age. me is that so you had this show. It was essentially about sex. Yeah, what and I you? was not a master. I, like, and I was open about it. I was like, I don't masturbate. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I you love have sex. sex. Love it. But so you were on this antidepressants for so long. It yeah. dulls. It dulls. I was orgasming, but it would just. I just thought I was someone that needed to. It took longer, or it right. was like at only special times. Like I think that. There was it was. It was that. Yeah, it was that. And I think it's very hormonal, too. Like, I, two weeks ago, I was right. masturbating, like, chronically. And now I'm like, okay, I can do it once a day. And I think that's just based on, like, where I am in my cycle. So it's a bunch of things. But clearing up the Zoloft really lifted a fucking yeah. thing where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a sexual being. And I'm also in my, like, prime. I'm 33. So as a woman, that's when you're supposed to be, like, fucking a ton. Yeah, you're supposed to have – supposed to – your ovaries are ready. Yes. You're ready to produce for the greater good. I'm ready to put out this final batch of eggs, and then it's <laughs> lights out. When do the eggs stop coming? I think at like 44. Okay, so you've got, you've got some eggs. When the menopause starts kicking yeah. in? Yeah. I think I'm having menopause now. Men? Oh, pause. Men? Oh, pause. Pause. Yep, I still don't understand that, though. It's something where, so you were on Zola for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And you have this show, and even mm-hmm. your act and stuff. Yeah. You talk about sex a lot. I love it. You're very open. You're very casual. I like you performing a lot because you say stuff that I feel like I could never say. And if I did say it, I would, you, you would, the audience would feel my uncomfortability right. with it because I would be like, Yeah, that's a big part scared. of it. I'm going to get, like, someone's going to say, D- D- What do you mean? Like, oh, I just, you know, I went, it was like, you know. Yeah. Like you have like a a casual confidence with which you yeah, speak I just about don't sex. Ever care about that's not something that I'm like precious about at all. I don't but know it, why. It makes it it makes it feel like a thing how it should be. Yeah. Like it's it's the opposite of Catholic. <laughs> like it is. Yeah. I really I kind of I grew up with Catholic parents who were raised Catholic, and their Catholicism definitely trickled down to me. Where I had like shame about sex and stuff. Right. I didn't have sex till I was twenty one. I like thought I was disgusting. I thought boys were scary, right. and like sex was weird. And um, so, but then I think once I realized that that was kind of in my head, and it was such bullshit that I went the other way. I was did just you have like, like fine? An- everyone's talking about it, and I'm gonna do it a lot. Did you have like an aha? Um. I think my aha moment was like the first time I like drank and like okay like and when then was also that? because because drinking well like I think drinking helped me have sex because right. I was so scared of it so I think the aha moment was having sex and being like this is so boring and not that eventful and yeah. nothing and and I was worried about nothing like I think a lot of us we just are so worried about performing and like oh, yeah, none, I was no, no as one hell. knows what the fuck they're doing ever ever mm-hmm. and so you just have to try to have fun. Right. Like, um, it's like last night I did that. Do you know the goddamn comedy jam? Yes. 
Okay, so you have to, like, do a set, and then you perform a song with a live band. And it's, like, really right. scary to, like, all the comics are nervous backstage, which generally we're not nervous before a set. You know, yeah. it's just a live set in L.A. And we're all nervous, and I was talking to Steve Byrne. He was like, I get nervous, and I'm like, I know. And I'm like, but all we can do is have fun because, like, it's just going to it's gonna happen whether or not we're good at it, so why not just try to have the best time? And I feel like that's the kind of way with sex is, like, yeah. just try to laugh at it and enjoy it in the moment because you're going to do something wrong. right. And you're gonna, it's all weird. You're getting naked with someone and like slapping skin and like making sounds. It's so weird. Yeah, it's I think weird, that's the fasc- most fascinating thing about sex is that it's just like you, you, like, I run into so many people around town, not so many, but like <laughs> people around town that I've had sex with or had sexual encounters with. And I'm like, isn't it weird we were once like, like, like we were like yeah. quiet and like kissing and like, and now we're just like, hey, what's up? Like clothed. It's just weird. It is weird. I guess that's. I feel awkward about that too. But I don't have that. I've been in a relationship for such a long time. That I don't that feel like don't I have, have that. Mm-hmm. But still, is that thing where I look back on those moments and it definitely was something where I felt so. I mean, even now, like I'm saying, I, it's something I don't. I'm least comfortable talking about that. At least, sure. At least in terms of personally, like I don't mind talking about the subject. Yeah. But being like no, I personal, get that. public and personal about that stuff. It's weird because I mean, I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. I went to Catholic school. Wow. Yeah. So I had the full thing. But you didn't yes. go to Catholic school, did you? Mm-mm. I only you went until first church? grade. Just until first grade. Okay. And my parents are like both like hate the Catholic church. Ah, like okay. we're raised in it, so they hate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I don't know. I talked to like, I, I think I, because there are some, there are things you do that I'm like, I could never do that. Like the way you put yourself out there physically for comedy right. and like take chances that I'm like, there, oh my God, there's no, he's not, he's working with no safety net. And I, I, so I, it's, it's interesting to see people go like, oh, you're so, I could never talk about that. And I'm like, but I could never do what you do. So I think we all have these different superpowers right. for comedy that yeah. make it so we can be successful because, and mine is that I just don't have that filter for that. Yeah. And thank God for it because I don't know what I'd fucking talk about otherwise. But it was something that didn't just show up. It just sort of, that's just your personality. It just is my personality. Like yeah. I've always been like really interested in sex <laughs> and like just talk and just how weird it is and like. And how we all just, like, do it and are, like, and then we just, like, go and put a clothes on and then we're normal. It's, like, so funny to me. And I just think because I didn't have sex for so long, I waited and I was scared. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 16. Like, I was just scared of boys. So it's one of those things where when it did happen, that makes sense. I was just, all I wanted to do was hear about it before it happened because I just wanted to be ready. Like, I talked to all my girlfriends about what happened. Like, how did he, like, how do you even start to kiss someone? Like, how do you, like, all the things of it. I was so fascinated by it. And I don't think that curiosity went anywhere. Does that what got you into stand-up as well from something less? It feels like that might be the case. I got into stand-up because I was, the. I think the long story short is I, I got an eating disorder my senior year of high school, and mm-hmm. I lo- I looked like a skeleton, right. like instantly. And were I went you, to— Not eating or were you purging? Not eating. Okay. And I didn't get into purging until later, but, like, I was just, like, an anorexic, which, like, anorexics and bulimics have kind of, like, a, like, well, I don't throw up. I'm better than you kind of thing. Oh, so, well, like, I didn't know that. I mean, maybe they don't anymore, but that was the vibe I got when Jesus. I used to be in the community. But, um, and I'm always going to be. Yeah, the message boards. Yeah, like, you just, you you feel like you're cleaner than them. Because yeah. they're vomit. You know, it's gross. But I right. I definitely was bulimic for a while, years later. But, because go, you go in and out of it. You'll find... I got into overeating, I, then you get into bulimia, it's whatever. But anyway, I lost like a ton of weight my right. senior year of college and I, or of high, high school, school, and I was supposed to go to college that fall, mm-hmm. and I was like, de- like about to die. Like I was hospitalized over the summer oh, in between no. 
So it was Jesus bad. Christ. Yeah, it was really bad. But I, I tricked everyone and I lied. I gained enough weight, which was like a pound, so I could get out and I could go to, away to school and like be in my disease. You so know? you were just very depressed. Depressed, anxious, hated myself. Everything. This is, this is before Cocktail. Zoloft or during Zoloft? This, I got on Prozac around this time. Okay, so, um, this so is, that it's been ever since then. This is 17. Mm-hmm. Okay. 17, 18, like right at the cusp of that. And so mm-hmm. then I went to University of Colorado. I tr- like tricked my parents and my doctors and everyone into like letting me go away to school alone right. so I could probably kill myself pretty much just by not eating Christ. because I had no plan on not, not yeah. eating. And, um, and so I went, but... Um, uh, and uh, I just kept because I was so skinny. Like it was almost like it was really up. Everyone noticed. Yeah. I looked. Inc- I looked insane. Wow. And I look back now, and I'm like, I looked like I was in the Holocaust. Like Do it you looks have like pictures a ho- from then. You just look. Yeah, at where I just like can't. My dad like took so many pictures of that time, and I'm like, why? And I'm glad I have them now because I want to write a book and like show yeah. the pictures. But like the one that I remember that like really upset me because I couldn't see myself clearly. But when I saw the picture, I was like, oh my god, I can't find that anywhere. I really want to find that picture. But it was when they were dropping me off for school, and I'm like, why did you ever let me go? Wow. But the thing was, I had such a because I needed to make friends and mm-hmm. needed to like have people be okay with me right. the way I looked. I was just had a big personality and was like really funny. Like I think it was just a distraction. So it was like the fat kid is funny, you know. Yeah. But I was the skinny kid that was like, look over here because my I I made best friends at college and my best friends would always have people come to them and be like, is Nikki okay? Like we're worried about her. Like she's gonna die. Blah. blah. And they'd be like, we don't even notice it because she's right. so funny and fun. And yeah. then and I think that's why I developed a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And then. Or that's when it really surged. Like, I think it was always funny, but, like, just more quiet. Yeah, I feel like I had a similar experience because I had this bad bowel disease. And it was the same sort of thing where, like, distracting from going to the bathroom a lot. Yeah, yeah. do you have Crohn's? I had colitis. Oh, shit. You had it? Well, I don't have colon anymore, so... Oh, wow. You don't technically have colitis if you don't have a colon, but I still... Gotcha, but you still have... But, yeah, overcoming the... the, Just those distract... Like, trying to build up a personality so people don't look at you one way. Right, exactly. So you're basically having, like, a little show over here, a side show, to distract from... The, the stealing something or it's yes like a, it's a trick it's a diversion yeah diversion don't exactly look at my disease or right. don't look at like don't judge me for this thing that I'm like wearing on my fucking sleeve right. so um and then people started telling me in, around that time that I should be a comedian and I think that's why I was and thank god because like I w- was gonna like kill myself so you started comedy when you were a freshman in college yeah so did that was that something when you started it it made you it helped to help you stop being anorexic? Yes, because I was like, I have a reason to live. Like, I'm really good really? at this, and I, like, want to be the best. That's you know, so and cool. I want to, and it was like another, it was, because you get obsessed with stand-up when you first yeah. find it, and comedy. Like, when you oh. first are like, we, you know, we all are, like, addicts in the beginning. And it, I think that's like, why there's so many addicts in comedy, is because it's like, it takes that kind of mentality to be mm-hmm. good at it. And to, so I just threw myself into it, right. and I think that was... Um, it just sh- it just gave me a reason to live. Like I was like, oh okay, I want to do something with this, and yeah. I'm good at it. And it felt it feels so good. I mean, the first yeah. time I did it, uh, the very first time I did it, I bombed miserably. It was it was a weird situation. I was doing uh, op- warm up for a uh, like a web series taping mm-hmm. with a paid audience. Jesus. So I didn't have any idea how bad that situation was. But even then, even after I did it, just the fact that I was still alive, I was like, I still want to do this. Yes. Even though that was such a bad experience. And then you the next co- time you I had, had it, yeah. It was like the it's Then a, it's the greatest feeling. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's weird a high. thing. I feel like it was like the first time I actually was 
happy in my entire life. Like, wow. For the first time, I was like really happy. You know, that's like, interesting. Like really, oh god, this is it. This is the like thing contentment, always, like yeah. pure unbridled joy. Right, the real thing. Yeah, I think I think that's really um, that's true. I mean, like there was something very um, just. I felt like. It takes out fulfilled. the chains. I felt, yeah. felt fulfilled by it. And I think I felt really empty at that time in my life. So did you have like a um, – how quickly did you get it over It took probably anorexia? like – it was off and on because as okay. soon as like, you know, things in my life – like I got Montreal when I was uh, 23, I guess. Right. And it was the summer of 2007. I was living here. And I was like a normal-ish weight at that point, but I was still like doing irresponsible things with eating, like eating too much and then maybe purging or like starving myself a little bit. But Montreal was coming around and this always happened with me before a big taping. It still kind of happens. If I have like a big thing that's going to tape, like the roast or like I have that is a few months out, unconsciously I will just start getting nervous about it. So like my appetite will kind of go away because based on nerves. And that's how I felt into anorexia is like I, a boy liked me and I was nervous about it that I just didn't eat for a week. Like just didn't have an appetite. And then I start, people started being like, you look amazing. And I was like, Oh, all I did was not eat. I'll keep doing that. So that'll happen sometimes when like, I remember for Montreal in 2007, I just was like, nervous and excited about it and I like lost a little weight and then I just started running every day like being obsessive about it because I just got addicted to that and then I like I fainted on stage because I like passed out because I was at your taping no no no. this was uh this was like no I got Montreal and I was gonna go and it was the week before and I went and did a show like in Orange County and I like rushed there after temping all day and I had smoked pot and I had also gone for a run and I hadn't eaten all day. Oh shit. Bad, bad combo. And I was, I didn't eat all day because I was going to get my one dinner there because you show up at this restaurant and it's yeah. a great restaurant and you get a dinner and I was broke at the time and I was really excited about this like one fucking huge meal and I got there and they're like, can you go on stage right now and like oh, order? Fuck. I'm like, I'm really hungry and they're like, just go up and then you can eat when you get off stage and I was like, okay. And then I went up there and just tunnel vision, bam. How quickly into the set was it? Minute. Oh, and I shit. literally, it was a packed room, and I was, like, on this stage. That's terrible. And, uh, and I was, like, I remember doing this joke about some, like, just some racial race joke. And I felt the tunnel, and I was, like, and I had never felt that way before. And I go, I was, like, I looked at the girl in the front row. I was, like, I think I'm going to faint. I go, is that awkward? Like, I don't know why I need to so ask that. That's so funny you said that because it's like, I would laugh at that, you saying that because of the way you <laughs> fucking laugh. Like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I think people were like, thought it was a bit, they did think it was a bit because right. no one came to help me because I go, I think I'm going to faint. Oh is that awkward? And, and she goes, yeah. And I go, it is awkward. Is it awkward? Oh my God. Scott, you're going to need to go. And I like asked for the MC to come back up and I fell. I want to do that as a bit now. You fucking, should. You should. I, I think I'm going to faint. I did See what of, people do. They won't do anything. I did it one time where I said I just took uh, ecstasy for the first time. Oh, that's funny. And I was like bugging out. But that was uh, that was just a yeah, it was just That's a bit. good. It do was it fun. as a bit that you might faint. See what people do because they'll do nothing from my experience. They won't. Because then I fell and then I ran. As soon as I came to, there were like people around me helping me. Right. But I was just kind of, I still was holding the microphone and I was kind of just like talking like this, like what? And I woke up from a dream that I was crashing in the ocean, and just you were like on the waves. Laying but I was on the ground. I was crashing against the back of this thing, like as I was falling Holy down. Holy shit. And I woke up and I woke up thinking, oh my God, I just had a dream. I fainted on stage. That's embarrassing. And then I opened my eyes and I was like, <gasps> like the biggest fear of your life. Like a room, a, a room of a hundred people, silent. Was it like Hermosa silent. or something? It was in, um, it was at, in Dana Point. It was called Hennessy's oh, in yes, Dana Point. I've been there. Yep. And, um, 
And I came to, and there were just guys around me because there were no women like it, that were on the show. That was and before I, women were allowed, right? It, in Hennessy's, yeah. <laughs> I had to dress up like a man. I had to wear a little fake mustache. But I, um, I, I ran. I only say that because I ran to the women's. Re- I, got, I got up, like mm. my adrenaline kicked in. I ran to the women's restroom, and I was just in a stall in there, being like, "Oh my god, my comedy career is over." For some reason, I just thought like. This is so embarrassing. Like, I did this to yeah. myself. Like, I'm, I have a disease, and now it's showing, and now it's inconveniencing people. And Jesus. I just felt so bad. And then I was in there, and then I just started getting embarrassed and angry. You know when you, like, yeah. trip and you get angry about, like, what is the one move that is? Like, you just yeah, look you like an angry, asshole. you can angry at yourself. So, but then I projected it, and I got angry at them, and I ran out of the bathroom, and I go, is anyone going to fucking help me? To a, oh, a cr- everyone in the restaurant. Like, 100 people who are still, like, Shocked, like, did this just happen? Like, oh, overcoming it. And I was like, is anyone gonna fucking help me? And uh, they all stared at me, and then I just, like, looked around and uh, ran into the kitchen and was like, I need a piece of bread. Like, give me something, you know? Like, I was like, it was so humiliating. Wait, and then so when I finally came out in the end, the crowd, like, clapped, and I was like, oh, god damn it. It was so embarrassing. But the, uh, that's just, that's fucking nuts <laughs> it was nuts it was it was awful and taylor feel... williamson my was my friend who was there okay. and he thank god he was there i was just like give me taylor where's taylor and like all these mexican cooks are around me like what is she in the kitchen for like yeah. it was so chaotic and awful so then what did you do you drive back by yourself i did drive back by myself i was what just like i thinking? promise i'm fine like everyone was like we want to drive you back i'm like mm-hmm. i was just like that was the most embarrassing thing ever. I don't really remember the aftermath. Just kind of, I just remember the immediate aftermath, thinking my career's over. Like this is it. But nothing me. really happened, right? No, it's no part- one finds it. No one would know about it if I didn't talk about it. Yeah. So it's just it was, but it was one of those moments where I just felt like I had been anorexic for so long and had so many moments where I almost fainted or I just like my disease kind of got in other people's way and I just felt really like I had my disease or my bullshit had yeah. inconvenienced other people because I was careless with my health and I felt really embarrassed that that was like it like made the show weird and the guy that went up after me had stopped doing he was on premium blend I remember his name was Christian Valet okay and he had taken like 4 years off of stand up to like go teach kids, and he was this is his first time doing stand up again, wow. and he was like a co- accomplished stand up, yeah. And it, it was like, it was, yeah, I'm gonna go on for the first time in four years, and it was following me fainting, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, that's crazy, back out again. But so you you went on to do Montreal then? Yeah, I went to Montreal, fine. and like I look back at pictures, I was like, you were so fucking skinny, and then a year later, I was a year and a half later, I did um, the Tonight Show, and like so that was like. July of 2007, and then cut to January 2009, I am a, a house. I'm so big. I, then I went on, like, uh, my weight was up and down then, well, and I was miserable. What what changed things for you? What was it? I think I just wasn't able to keep the weight off, or, like, it just switched from me, be, like, starving myself to just, like, eating, a, like, letting myself get to a normal weight, and then mm. being like, I'm just going to fucking eat all the time, and drink, drinking. Okay. Drinking, staying out late, eating, and then repeat. And then it got to the point where I was so fat, I was like, I got to start throwing up. So then I started doing that. And then that just becomes disgusting. And like, well, when did you, when were you able to sort of stop all this stuff? I think it was like a mixture of like, uh, oh, you know what? I think I hit a bottom um, in maybe a year into my sobriety because as soon as I got sober from Mm -hmm. drinking I just started smoking a ton of pot and then I started binging a lot because that would make me hungry and then I would throw up and I was just in a bad place and I talked to a a friend of mine who was like will you please go to therapy and I'm like I don't know and he goes will you just do it for me then because I know you won't do it for yourself and I was like okay so I called this therapist and then I think ever since then I think the last time I threw up was like 
2012 or, yeah, 11 or 2012. So it's been like, you know, five five years. years. And the other night, like, I ate too much and I had a thought of like, oh, you could just easily puke this up and Mm -hmm. then feel and like go to bed without a stomach ache. Like literally felt sick to the point of like, I want to throw up, not even make myself. I could just easily do it because I just had a bad night and like ate one too many complete cookies, if you know what those are. They're delicious. Uh And I ate a lot of them. And I felt bad, but I just, like, I, now I'm in a place where it's, like, I don't want to go down on that ro- fucking road again of sticking my finger down my throat. But it's not something that just, it's not something that goes away, right? It's something where you li- you live with it for your life. Yeah, you, you just have, have to, to find it. other ways to, when I feel like eating four complete cookies in bed <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning, I need to go, I need, a, a better thing to do would be to not do that. But right. also a, the better thing to do is not to puke it up, just to be like, okay, you did it, you yeah. own it. Tomorrow you probably won't be that hungry, so just like listen to your body tomorrow, eat when you want to, and just get back on a normal schedule, which is what I did. That So isn't that activity, like anorexia and bulimia, all that stuff, essentially is a form of self-hatred. It's control and it's like a self-hatred thing, right? Where yeah, it's punishing you're yourself. yourself. You're punishing yourself with food by overeating. You're punishing right. yourself by like not letting yourself have treats. It's like you're being like a piece of shit to your... It's, right. it's a form of cutting, which I literally like... I, I've only cut one time in my life and mm-hmm. I always like judge people who did it because I was like, why would you ever want to cut yourself? That seems insane. And then I got caught shoplifting and the shame of that... I when went was, home and cut myself immediately without this? even thinking. 19. Okay. I was too old to be shoplifting. Yeah. I finally got caught doing it. Yeah. Never did it since. But, like, I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of myself that I cut myself. And I remember being like, oh, I feel better. And I'm like, oh, all of this is just cutting. It's, it's yeah. a form of cutting. And this week I had a, I did something to a friend. I, like, upset a friend and it was my fault. Right. And I felt so bad about it. Like, you just – sometimes you feel so bad and you can't repent. There's no way to repent So you, have to, so you, you have to hurt yourself. So I'm like, I'll eat four complete cookies because yeah. I know how bad this will make me feel. It's right. comforting right now, but it's, like, it's punishment too. So do you think there's – something that you this is like the overarching thing i keep thinking about is there something that you helped you or uh allowed you to like love yourself i think it's just getting stuff? older and being in therapy and learning that all of these behaviors all of these like um they're not productive they're not productive and you're the only one looking out for you and you have to treat uh, yourself like you would like i wouldn't treat a friend the way i treat myself right, so kind yeah. of looking at it like that like tr- looking at yourself like a child mm-hmm. like would you treat your child this way yeah, no i wouldn't yeah. tell my child you're such a fucking idiot like maybe i would there are a lot of people who tell their children that yeah and then their kids so and you're a bad mom so i don't want to be a bad mom to myself so i try to be nurturing but i indulge sometimes and just let myself go like you fucking idiot like because it's comfortable sometimes to beat yourself up it's easy it's easy to go that direction that it is some i don't know who said it i mean a lot of people have said it but i know rupaul has definitely said (laughs) rupaul is like a strange source of inspiration like all everything that he's that she says is like the most it's super inspirational. She's into colonics, so she's that's done bullshit. a ton of work on herself. Yeah, yeah. colonics are colonics are fucking hokum. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. Uh, it's but, yeah. oh, colonics aside, a lot of motivational. RuPaul's, yeah, but of, all of her quotes on yeah. colonics don't really <laughs> don't don't apply. Don't read that. The, into those. But she said something about uh, just how it's much easier to to do the do the hard thing to do like the. Um, it's easier to hate yourself to be it's easier to be negative it's much easier to be negative than it is to be positive yeah so, so it kind of makes it so you feel like oh i'm just taking the easy road out yeah. i should try a little harder mm-hmm. i think that's a good point like i just i just know that 
it's so yeah it, it's just because we are our own boss it's easy to like abuse ourselves even sexually like I sexually harass myself every day <laughs> But yeah, it is. It's way harder to just be like, I'm going to treat myself like a beloved child, which right. is always what I hear my therapist voice saying. Someone told me the other day, and I decided I like a lot, is to think about everything your therapist says as though it's coming from God. Yeah, that's, think about I think that's like, what she thinks of herself. <laughs> so yeah. why not? I dropped that therapist, but she did have a lot of nuggets of wisdom that I keep with me, but she was batshit crazy. Really? Oh, she was mean. She would, she would bully me. She would be Are like, you serious? She'd be like, you're the least funny person I've ever met. You're so serious. You're, I'm funny. You're not funny. I'm funny. Are you kidding me? And one time she was like, you're not a beauty. You never will be. You're just average, and that's fine. Because I was worried about, like, some dress I was going to wear for something. She goes, you're not a beauty. You're not a model. So who gives a shit? And I was like, you can't say this to me. But it did kind of feel good to hear. Wow. To be like, oh, you're funny. You're not a model. So just stop worrying about your looks. Who gives a shit? It's all going to go away anyway. Someone told me uh, that Will Ferrell keeps a little slip of paper in his wallet from his uh, niece that says, it's a quote that she said to him. She was, like, three years old. She says, you think you're so funny, but you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh <laughs> something like that something the effect yes of- <laughs> it's all in our head like we think we're yeah. funny yeah Remember i don't i don't need that, that in my wallet maybe will no. ferrell needs that to calm himself i think he to, does so, to, to bring like, himself down yeah because he Earth. is literally the funniest person that's ever right. lived maybe so but um maybe that's why because he's because yeah he <laughs> no kidding maybe that's Little the trick kid. you think you're so funny just but thinking you're, not. you're funny <laughs> I know a ton of people who think they're funny. That's the worst. Oh, there's so many people. You know, I always think about the worst thing because we, you and I, both know a lot of comedians mm-hmm. who are not funny. Yeah, and how much it sucks. I'm done to with be it. A comedian who's not funny. No, it's great because they're in fucking blissful ignorance. They all think it's all ego. It's all like they think I'm so tired of these hacks. I'm I'm kind of on like a mission right now to get hacks out of comedy. Yeah, like now I feel like I'm at a point. Like I'm 33. I've been doing this for you know. 14 years. Right. I am good at what I do. You're great. I'm confident that I'm funny. No one needs to argue with me about it. I know I am. And I'm done with these fucking hacks. We got to get them out because if we don't regulate it, no one's regulating this. The audiences will just consume dumb shit. They will because they— We need to get (laughs) bad comics out of the business. And we need to start talking about it. This whole thing of like, if you're a comic, you don't talk shit about other comics. I talk constant shit about people who aren't funny because they need to go. Yeah. There's not there there's there's a ton of stage time so they all get they can yeah. work it and it's a lot of it is confidence but people promoting dumb humor uh, there's no room for it. There's also a lot of stuff of comedians who are talking about social issues very seriously and that is that's sort of what you're known for. Yes. Like being uh grandstanding about self-righteous things that they are so st- like some that's of these people the are hack. so stupid. And that's yeah. the thing, like, I'm, I'm tired of stupid comics. Like, I want, if you're talking about something, maybe you have the wrong opinion about it, but at least be intelligent. But these people who think they're smart, and because they have a microphone, and someone told them that they were funny as a child or something, like, it's, there's so many weird reasons people think they're funny. Yeah. And, and because they've learned the tricks, because it's a magic show up there. Oh, it is. It's definitely a thing where there's certain things you can do that people will always respond to. Yep. And it just, it's just the you way— You can be successful and be yeah. a terrible, terrible comic, and there's so many examples of it. But I also am someone who who talks about how 
excited I am about comedy too. Like mm-hmm. there's some there's some hacks that need to go, and then there are some people that need to be brought up from like uh, elevated obscurity be elevated, yeah. and be elevated and say, look at listen to what this guy's saying or this girl's saying. There's tons of people I know who are like, you're so funny. How come you're not? doing well self-sabotaging they yeah. just are scared of success there are so many people that are just geniuses that you're like it's yeah. a kill for your brain I, and you're not doing anything with it <laughs> yeah like you watch someone you've known for a long time and you haven't seen them do like you haven't seen them grow yeah like i started comedy watching you and you're so fucking funny and you're kind of in the same place i don't get it because uh, you, you can't drugs, you alcohol, me. and just not yeah. having self esteem and feeling like if they get successful, just being scared of success because with success co- is... comes a lot of fuck it. You have to look at yourself. Yeah, and people are scared of success. You see so many people self sabotage it all the time. They're scared to like say that. They're scared to like be confident. And say yes, I'm fine. Yes, I deserve. Yeah, this. because it, that comes with it. Like people mm-hmm. who are successful and stay successful get on board with their success. Right. They think they're the shit. You kind of mm-hmm. need to. Right. I, like like I just said, like I've been doing this 14 years. I'm funny. I know it. Like I I have confidence now, and it's like w- it is a reason why I'm going to continue being successful. Right. I hope is because. But if you all w- always walk around feeling like a fraud, you're not going to yeah. go far. And there are people that need to feel like frauds, and they don't. And they I are want. Frauds. And I want to. Uh, I'm going to start going public about it. But uh, start a podcast. I need, I just calling you out, saying, saying you gotta go. Yeah. It's called you gotta go, um, and I bring on, people on. Be putting you on blast. And I go, you're a hack. All right, welcome. It's time for get to know your hack. Get to know your hack. Get to know your hack. Today's uh, hack is Jimmy Jackson. I don't know that. I feel bad saying that because I feel like a lot of comics have this thing where, like, if you're a comic, you got to support all comics. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't. I think some of you are just you're illusionists it's not a brother chris angels it's not some fucking it's not like being the no chris angel is actually not uh, even as hacky as you know like and and chris angel's not a hack it's but it's It's just like i'm tired of people like having confidence saying things with confidence and bravado and stage presence because Mm -hmm. they've been doing it long enough that they have all that but they're saying nothing right or they're spreading like bad shit yeah they're saying sexism or they're saying something that's not it's uh the worst for me is when someone's being not truthful. Yes. But they're purporting it as the truth. And that's sort of like a general negative thing in the universe is that you're like, oh, I'm just I'm gonna lie here, but I'm gonna make it not be a lie. Yeah, yeah. That happens uh, it's every night. Yes. Nikki Glazer, welcome. <laughs> Nikki that, Glazer, welcome. That is such a cool thing. Okay, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. I have to pee so bad. So do I. So do I. What do you want to say real quick before we go? Um, you can check out my um, half-hour Netflix special on The Comedians, it's called. And uh, yes. it's on Netflix right now. And I'm going to be on tour all over. You can check out my dates at NikkiGlazer.com. Nikki, Nikki Glazer. Nikki Glazer. Follow me on all the socials. Nikki Glazer. G-L-A-S-E-R. Bad questions. One second. Live the tape podcast at gmail.com. One more thing. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Also go to patreon.com slash live the tape. Thanks, Nick Laser, for coming on the show. Thanks, Emma. Thank you.